0: This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290, WNBF Binghamton, and WNBF.com.
1: Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. Good morning on this Friday, January 27th. You're listening to WNBF. A Broome County businessman is moving forward with a redevelopment plan that will start with removing several abandoned structures in Endwell. Tim Connolly is preparing to remove five or six buildings along East Main Street and Scarborough Drive. Connolly wants to demolish the structure to create a big wide open site that would be attractive for future development. One of the buildings to be torn down is a laundromat that was damaged in an arson fire in 1988. The wrecked structure on East Main Street has been boarded up and unused for nearly 35 years. Other nearby buildings are also to be removed. Connolly said some paperwork still must be finalized, but he expects the demolition work will occur this spring. He said that would make five acres available for a future project. Town of Union Supervisor Robert Mack is excited that the eyesores should soon be a thing of the past. He said, yeah, yes, they're coming down. Mack said the Town of Union Local Development Corporation will provide $200,000 to support what's expected to be a $300,000 project to prepare the site. At this point, Connolly doesn't know what might be developed on the property. He said he'll be looking for the right entity that can grow the corridor along East Main Street. Connolly's company, CEO of First General of Southern New York, now has its offices in a building at the site. It had been home to a series of bars over the past few decades. A nearby building on East Main Street was torn down to make way for a distribution facility that will be used by AutoZone, a car parts retailer. People seeking some sweet treats in Johnson City can look forward to visiting a business that's setting up operations on Main Street in the village. Gabriella Piccolo Gregory has been working for months to prepare the site at 265 Main Street. Gabriella's Cakes and Company will provide a storefront location for the business. Piccolo Gregory has been operating in the town of Maine in recent years. She's been the pastry chef for Frank's Italian Restaurant, which is owned by her father. Plans call for the retail portion of the Johnson City site to open February 11th for a four-day period around Valentine's Day. The shop is expected to move to regular hours shortly after that. La Piccolo Gregory said she's received plenty of assistance from her parents as she works to set up the shop. The business will feature cupcakes, specialty desserts, and -and grab-and-go cakes. Coffee and some specialty drinks will also be available. The shop will be located at Main and North Broad Streets. The location is across the street from the former Red Robin Diner. In Broome County Court, Kyle Babala, age 34, of Johnson City, entered a plea of guilty to murder in second degree. Babala admitted that on the 31st of December 2021, he intentionally killed Scott Groover by striking him numerous times with a machete. During a dispute at 330 Floral Avenue in the village of Johnson City, Babala, who had no prior criminal history in New York, will be sentenced to 20 years to life in New York State Prison on April 26th. Michael Korchak, Broome County District Attorney, said this was an inexplicable, senseless act of violence. By avoiding a trial, we hope that there could be some closure for the victim's family. Our thoughts are with them today. On Wednesday, January 25th, Binghamton Metro SWAT assisted the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force with executing a narcotic search warrant at 111 Oak Street, Apartment 4, located in Binghamton, New York. As a result of the search warrant, investigators located a defaced RG Industries 22 long range revolver approximately 40 grams of crack cocaine, approximately 26 grams of fentanyl, approximately 25 grams of methamphetamine, approximately 5,500 in suspected drug sale proceeds, and drug paraphernalia items used in the sale and distribution of controlled substances. As a result of the investigation, Andrew Bethune was arrested and transported to the Binghamton Police Department to be processed on charges of criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree, criminal possession of a controlled substance in the fourth degree, criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, and criminal using drug paraphernalia in the second degree. An Islamic extremist who killed eight people with a speeding truck in a 2017 rampage on a popular New York City bike path has been convicted of federal charges and could face the death penalty. Jurors found Sefolo Saipov guilty on Thursday. Prosecutors say the Halloween attack was inspired by his reverence for the Islamic State group. The jury announced its verdict in a Manhattan courtroom just a few blocks from where Saipov's attack ended. The jury will return to court no earlier than February 6th to hear more evidence to help decide whether Saipov should be executed or spend the rest of his life in prison. U.S. Representative George Santos's campaign committee has told federal regulators it hired a new treasurer amid lingering questions about the source of his wealth and irregularities in the committee's financial reports. But the man Santos supposedly hired says he actually turned the job down. It wasn't immediately clear whether the committee made an error listing a new treasurer on federal election commission paperwork or if it was another lie by a congressman caught fabricating many elements of his life story. The accountant, who declined the job, said through a lawyer that there appeared to be some sort of miscommunication. The National Archives has asked former presidents and vice presidents to recheck their personal records for any classified documents following the news that President Joe Biden and former Vice President Mike Pence had documents in their possession after they left office. The Archives sent a letter Thursday to the representatives of former presidents and vice presidents from former President Ronald Reagan to the present to ensure compliance on the issue of compliance with the Presidential Records Act, which states that any records created or received by the president are the property of the U.S. government and will be managed by the Archives at the end of the administration. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today scattered snow showers mainly before 9 a.m., mostly cloudy with a high near 34 degrees, 30 percent chance of snow. Tonight, a chance of snow showers mainly after 5 a.m., mostly cloudy with a low near 26 degrees, 30% chance of snow. Tomorrow, a slight chance of snow showers before 9 a.m., partly sunny with a high near 40 degrees, 20% chance of snow. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy, a low near 31 degrees. And Sunday, rain and snow showers likely after 8 a.m., becoming all rain showers after 10 a.m. Cloudy with a high near 42 degrees, 60% chance of rain. Sunday night, showers likely before 8 p.m., cloudy with a low near 26 degrees 60 percent chance of rain you're listening to wmbf where news breaks first news radio 1290 wmbf wmbf.com and 92.1 fm
0: Joseph live on your Friday morning. Here we go, January 27th, the final Friday of January 2023. We'll be taking your phone calls over the next three hours. The number is 607 772 1290. Why not call? Even if you've never called before.
2: On the edge, I mean, it's a step across at me with eyes that look but cannot see. Out of reach, out of love, stepping out of bounds.
0: We will have plenty to talk about today, and again. I will strongly encourage those who have never called before to eh, give it a try. Why not? You know you really want to. Let's start the Friday morning festivities off with Nick Tamaris from Miller Motors on the Parkway in Vestal. Good morning. How are you?
3: I'm doing excellent, and
0: you? Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) I'm always doing more excellent on Fridays.
3: And you know why? I was off yesterday. I got these emails uh, from Honda that our trucking company dropped off new Hondas. We have new Hondas here, and most importantly, they dropped off the all-new 2023 Honda Pilot, all redesigned, all-new, and they even dropped off an all-new redesigned 23 Honda Accord i'm super excited
0: <laughs> yes that's nice i just punched up a picture of the 2023 honda pilot that's a very nice looking car i'm looking at uh, some of the photos that car and driver posted yeah put me down for two nick <laughs>
3: <laughs> and and i'll even put you down for that brand new color called diffused sky pearl which is absolutely spectacular you got to see this color it is really really quite something.
0: Well it's great to have uh, the new vehicles coming in on a a regular basis now. Of course uh, for folks who may be able to uh, pop over today how how late will uh, the dealership be open on this Friday?
3: Yeah so Friday we're going to be here till six o'clock. Saturday always a great day we're going to be here till four o'clock. Sundays we're closed so if you want to come in and browse the lot see what's out there. Make sure you look on the side of the lot by the rubber duck car wash which is now open uh you'll see all the new cars over there we have some up on the front pad and if you want to peek through the showroom window on sunday when we're closed or better yet just come in saturday or today we have a honda civic si and blazing orange uh that's out there so for those that want a stick shift civic come on in (laughs) we got those two and then we open back up monday till seven (laughs) o'clock
0: great Great. Well, I always encourage you to, of course, have fun on Friday and Saturday in terms of trying to uh, match people with an appropriate vehicle, but also save some time for yourself and your family and friends so you can enjoy the weekend. And then we get ready for Monday again, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. You'll be re-energized and looking forward to helping more people. It all happens at Miller Motors, the Miller Auto Team, 4455 Vestal Parkway East, across from Binghamton University. There's more information online at millerautoteam.com. Nick Tamaris, the Honda sales manager, thank you very much for joining us this morning.
3: Uh, Bob, we appreciate you, and thank you very much. Have a great day. You too. Talk to you soon.
0: It's nine fifteen. You're listening to news radio. WNBF ninety-two one FM twelve ninety AM. And you're always connected with your favorite information source using the free WNBF app. Welcome. News Radio, WNBF, serving you from our beautiful studio in Parlor City, upstate America. Yes, the city Rodman Serling considered his childhood home. It's the city I consider my home. Born here, working here, and getting the information to you, you know, so uh, providing just opportunities to have conversations. If you want to see uh, some of the stuff that I'm up to throughout the week, you can follow us on Twitter. Yep, I know there are Twitter detractors, but still, I find it a useful way to connect with the WNBF listeners. So, if you already are on Twitter, you can follow us at Binghamton Now. Uh, one of the nicest little things you'll see, in fact, the most recent thing that was posted was uh, a video, a sneak preview inside a new business that'll be opening soon in Johnson City. Maybe you've seen the story at WNBF.com, or maybe you've heard it this morning with James Kelly on First News Binghamton, but take a look at the video, as they say. A picture is worth a thousand words, and a video must be worth a hundred thousand words. So you can take a look at that business and get ready. Get ready for uh, something special. It's all part of what we do, covering... Whatever happens around the Twin Tiers, to the greatest extent possible. So feel free to follow our website, WNBF.com, and also keep an eye on Twitter. If you follow us on Twitter, you'll be one of the better informed people in the Binghamton District. Right now at 920, we go to the phones. Good morning, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from?
4: Good morning there, Bob. It's uh, Dave from Bestville. Good
0: morning, David.
4: Good morning. Hey, can we start off with a a little reminiscing? I don't mean Little River Band now. Um, You know, yesterday uh, you brought up WKOP, Bob, and and I started thinking back. You know, it was a big deal when WKOP went to FM. Do you remember that?
0: Yeah, (laughs) 99.1. 99.1 with uh, Michael J. Raymond and uh, the uh, album. Album
4: rock. Yeah, Bob. And it was a big deal because we were young. We were, you know, at that age back then. And it, it was, I, I remember me and my friends, we we thought it was, you know, great. And and then we progressed on to, you remember taking uh, your cable wire and hooking it up to the vacuum receiver? And you, you, you could pick up Syracuse, Buffalo, Rochester, uh, FM stations, clear as day.
0: Sure. One of my it favorite stations was uh, Ithaca, WVBR. And at night, I think at a, at eleven, WVBR in Ithaca would run an album, so they would track an entire album. So that's back when you were allowed to do this. I would buy one of those cassettes and record an album, and most of them were qu- quite good. They were and right. so yeah. Thanks to that cable hookup, and um, hey, I thought it was nice of the cable company to provide that for free. <laughs>
4: was a lot of fun about it and, and plus too if you had a vehicle on um, that you know the older ones they just had the uh the am we, we use those fm converters remember those i
0: have a couple of them still, all these years <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah i, I remember I, and what about <laughs> those uh if you had uh, what was the converter that you could use for uh, cassettes, a cassette deck? Cassette to eight track. Yeah, yep.
4: I have like three of the bottom, I'm telling you, I could start a museum. Anything tell me, tell me
0: it. what you think was the fascination <laughs> with the eight track format. I never, I never quite understood why anybody would have put the eight track music format out, out for the U.S. market. Why, why was that successful, even for a couple of days?
4: well it, it was such because that's all we had then at the time bob at, at the beginning i mean so you talk about what the, the engineering of
0: it the 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 thought process? well to me it was just irritating especially'd be listening to a great song and then it would switch over to the next channel i guess part of that was the um the people who produced these albums were were not able to uh Figure out timing. I guess they wanted to keep most of the albums in the same sequence as they appeared on on the vinyl version. Apparently,
4: right, right. And then Bob and Plus Two. Remember we had. Remember the stereos with all the one like dual cassette eight track turntable receiver everything. All <laughs> we. You know what I still have? On? I have portable eight-track players, and these are working because I save everything. That remember the the portable with the strap you could carry it on your shoulder and walk around playing the oh, yeah. stage Oh yeah, do
0: you remember those yeah. little um, Panasonic had these really goofy, bright colored radios? They were AM radios, and they they would like twist. They were twisty radios, so you I could remember, put yeah, them, remember, You could twist it. I think in theory. The whole point was, I don't know that anybody actually did it, but I think you could twist it and then put it around your wrist so you you would always take it with you. But uh, I don't know. That was fun. You know what I I still have that actually works? And it's mysterious to me. There was a promotion, and I should look it up to find out exactly what year it was, but it had to be a promotion from a major orange juice company. You could probably guess the name, but I won't give them publicity because they don't need it. They're owned by a major beverage company called PepsiCo. But um, they uh, process orange juice, and as a promotion, if you send in three or four or whatever, maybe six, proofs of purchase to the orange juice company they would send you a a radio that was the exact size of a a standard orange and then it would have like it has a little straw looking thing only about three or four inches that looks like it's actually I think it's the antenna it's an AM radio and the darndest thing every six or twelve months it just sits there but every six or twelve months I turn it on and I listen to WNBF for a minute then I turn it off I mean it's it's Hard to believe that whatever battery, I think it's a 9-volt battery, but here it is decades later. I think it might be the original battery. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe they they had some prototype, a battery that lasts forever, but it's, it's the darndest thing that probably after three decades, I probably can go home this afternoon, turn the radio on, listen to NBF for a minute, and then say, oh, that's good for 2023. I'll do it. January 27th, 2024, and probably still work. You're kidding me, buddy. Not corroded or anything? Well, I haven't opened it up. It may be corroded for all I know, but the fact is it still works. Yeah, hey, I wouldn't be surprised there's (laughs) corrosion, but I, I don't dare open it up or I'll have to call out the... Azmat teams, the good thing about those batteries, actually, even if there is some corrosion, it's not like, say, a lithium-ion battery. If a lithium-ion battery was in that thing, it would have uh, melted down by now. Probably.
4: <laughs> you know, yeah. I think back back then, Bob, all the transistor radios, I think they all did work on 9-volt. Pretty sure. Yep. I the they did. I had, they did. Yeah, I, had, I think they did. Because Yeah, I think if it
0: was, say, two... Oh, double A batteries or whatever. Probably, if it was du- uh, batteries other than nine volt, probably it'd be double A. But it's such a relatively combat, compact little AM radio. I assume, yeah, it, it. I can almost envision, you know, what the battery looked like. I'm sure it's a nine volt battery, but still, it's just just the thought of something that that clever, and and yet it still works because it wasn't <laughs> made by. What's the company Crapple? You know, the co- there's one company. I I don't know what they build themselves as, but they say if that was an iOrange radio, it would have been built to to run for about eighteen to twenty months. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. If 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 that very powerful technology company put it out today. Say they they had a commemorative, a 30-year or 35th anniversary commemorative of the original uh, orange fruit-shaped radio. They would sell it. They charged $99.99 and they would have software in it so it would stop working about two months after the warranty expired. <laughs> That's what happened with my my um, we'll call it ACBook Pro. ACBook Pro. You know, you spend thousands of dollars on something, and then it it conks out after, I don't know, maybe it was actually 16 months. So maybe it was actually a good value to spend thousands of dollars on an AcBook Pro, which was a really nice thing when it worked. And then when it stopped working, it wasn't so nice. It was like a multi-thousand-dollar paperweight. But that's that's right. neither here nor there i'm sure i'm sure I, I have friends who tell me yeah that's funny we we have one just like it and it it still it still runs and it's like yeah well i'm sure i'm sure 99.8 percent of them runs it's, it's just like that's God, how know. that's how i won the lottery so now i now i'm able to buy now i'm able to buy laptops from other other makers
4: Bob, all the old receivers I have hanging around, I look at the back of them and they, they still have that two prong connection there, that the, the adapter there for that goes the end of your cable wire. They still have them hanging there. <laughs> I love connected. those. All these I love years, them. All these years. Yeah.
0: You know what? Another thing that bothers me is I still have a box somewhere in the basement that's filled with old telephone like cable like say if you wanted to have an extra phone line in another Mm -hmm. room or those Mm -hmm. things that you used to have to plug your phone into and it's like Mm -hmm. well i think i should save them just in case they come back in style (laughs) (laughs) so anyway thanks hey thanks for the memories maybe we'll we'll hear some other memories from uh listeners this morning i think that'd be a good use of our time on this friday
4: sure it's friday okay Beth. thanks
0: yeah, have a good weekend. You too. 929 Bob Joseph serving Binghamton and the world at News Radio WNBF. Join Mark to the voice of reason you listen to the the voice of reason
2: you
0: You would better do as you are told you better better listen to the radio bob joseph live uh, musically on a friday let's go to binghamton's west side good morning gary you're on the air Good
5: morning bob hey, i'd like to have a discussion about the binghamton police officer with the knee on the neck but i did want to comment that i think the downfall of eight tracks was when it would stop playing on one side and go to the other side it was like a three to four minute wait before
0: oh the, sometimes it be yeah it seemed an eternity it's it jarring
5: yeah. yeah the sound wasn't too bad but that, i think that was a uh, downfall but hey bob did you see the uh the video of the Binghamton policeman with uh, the alleged knee on the neck—have
0: you seen it? I've seen a few videos, but I still haven't okay. seen any body cam footage.
5: No. Do you think, though? I want to ask you a question. Do you think that the uh, Binghamton police officer had a knee on the neck?
0: Based on, on what vid- you think, based on the video angles yeah. that I saw, right? Yeah. from from multiple cell phone videos that's what it appeared to me
5: okay so it does appear that way okay cuz i just saw one
0: yeah i uh, well and and to be sure there's in what i've seen only one video gives gives a more clear impression i i'm not say if i were having to make legal determinations i'm not comfortable making any kind of uh, reaching any kind of conclusion right now based on what I've seen, because it's their videos with different angles, and they don't show the entirety of the situation. So it's it's a difficult thing. I'm I'm glad I'm not responsible for this case. I'm glad I'm not the police chief. I'm glad I'm not the mayor. I'm glad I'm not anybody who was there that uh, early morning, whether directly involved or just as an eyewitness um i i don't know it's it's tough for me to make a determination i'm just
3: i'm glad i'm
0: glad thing. that i don't have to make any determination in this case
5: well, thank you for your honesty bob because i had the same thing where i wasn't sure it does look like it at one point point, then the other point it doesn't look like it but i'd like to make a comment that uh, uh I believe her name is Sarah Ames from the Press and Sun Bulletin truly believes that there was a knee on the neck because that's what they're putting in the newspaper. And Roy Santa Cruz from Channel 34 said the same thing that there's a, the Binghamton police officer had a knee on the neck. They have determined that, uh, that's what happened. Whatever happened to the word allegedly? I mean, you know, Bob, when the, when the Buffalo Uh, shooting occurred, and the guy shot, and I called in, and I commented about it, and, you know, I said he shot all those people, and you corrected me, and you were right. You said, Gary, you know, he's not guilty, uh, he's innocent until proven guilty, and this is allegedly, and so I corrected, I said, okay, allegedly, but how come allegedly is not used with the knee on the neck now? I mean, to me, if it was obvious, okay. And you could say there's an honor. it's not that obvious to me i would like to make another comment well one before.
0: let me just respond you know, i was just okay, looking up sure. stories i've written i for one thing i have written relatively few stories on this i admit yes. that i was late to the story because it happened on january 1st when i was away You're on vacation and mm-hmm. i i didn't as far as i can tell first story that i posted on our website wasn't until january 6th and i know i think even you brought it up and maybe some other people brought up well, why why weren't we all over the story and you know I'll concede we we were not first and fast in this case but that was which is okay yeah well That's it was fine. just out of reality i mean if if by chance i'll say this even if i had even still been on my holiday break but if i happened to have been downtown at 320 A.M. on January first, and saw what happened, or perhaps ta- uh, managed to take pictures or my own video. I wouldn't have sat on the story, even though I was off. I, I would have published a story, not really fast, but probably on New Year's Day, with the observations of, of what appeared to have happened, and Why? you know to try. But, and again, I'm looking at my first story. And because I tried, first of all, in the original story, even though the name of the man who was arrested was out generally, I think, already had been reported by other media outlets, I didn't include his name. I said a 24-year-old man filed a complaint on Monday with the police department. I also didn't include the name of the police officer involved, even though that was in somewhat general circulation. Um, And the story that I wrote, and I I struggled over how to phrase this, video clips posted online appear to show an officer kneeling on the man's neck. So I tried because, look. And I think that's accurate. Well, and and, and that's because, again, at that point I had seen two clips which were in general circulation on social media, and that's... That was all I I could say. I think it had to be said because if you don't explain why people are unhappy and upset and angry, well, you have to explain because they saw, let's face it, relatively few people were actually there, but thousands of people have seen those videos. And so uh, I think a reasonable person could say from at least one of the videos – it appears to show the officer kneeling on the Very man's true. neck, and I didn't. I didn't use a stopwatch. I didn't do a freeze or a, a thing where I analyze things frame by frame. I just watched it as any other average person would, and again, so I tried in covering the story. In fact, the thing that I think prompted me to actually write that first story on January 6th was the police chief, Joseph Zekuski, put out a statement about the department's investigation. And he said, the agency continues its investigation into a personnel complaint made Monday. The police chief wrote, the officer who's the subject of the complaint will remain on desk duty pending the results of the investigation. And then there was more from Chief Zekuski's statement. Now, I would have done more on this story sooner if i could have been in touch with either the man who was involved or the police officer if either of them if i was able to reach either of them and get get them on the record with a quote about what happened or their their perception then i would have probably done a story sooner but again, I'm with a story like this. I personally want want to approach it with with caution. It's sensitive. Very good. It's very sensitive as far as how, I how the story. Comment? Sure.
5: I, I just want to make because I might be short on time but I did want to applaud the family for uh, doing what they did right to. Uh, Keep it in the public eye to keep bringing it up, not letting it die because they, I saw them on the news yesterday and I happen to agree with them that if they didn't do that. And I don't agree with the, uh, the language and the methods that they used, but they still went out and did it. They made it. So now the attorney general is investigating it. If they just were quiet, I don't think anything really would have happened. And I applaud them for that because you know, that is their right to do that. And, you know, even though they were like boisterous and using bad language and stuff like that, which, by the way, Bob, tells me that maybe the uh, the gentleman who got beat up or with maybe he was that same way. Because if you grow up in a household like that, you're probably going to be like that.
4: But
0: by the and, way, uh, by the way. OK, go ahead. And let me be very clear. I occasionally use that language, very rarely, very, very infrequently, but I do. Have have I used that language so far this year? I don't think so. But will I before the year is out, or will I before the end of this month? I might. I won't do it on the air, of course. On the air, I choose my words very carefully, but even off the air, I try to choose my words with care. And, say, if I'm talking with... Friends or associates, privately, on occasion, I may use some words like that, and and I don't do it flippantly. It's not. I don't use some of those words as crutches. Sometimes, sometimes it's for amusement. Again, We're everything the curse words. Yes, correct. yes. Okay, go and, ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. And so, but I also want to say, every almost every radio person I know. Heck, even Officer Bill himself, Bill Parker, I think I recall using a bad word. Not on the air, but again, you know, everything everything in context. I think, think those words that uh, many of the people say, those who spoke at the uh, City Council public comment session a couple of weeks ago, a lot of those words... I I believe about ninety nine percent of the people who heard them use the same words on occasion. So, and as frustrated. I've said before, they were frustrated. Of course, and they yeah. I and here's the thing. And this is not a comment right now on Binghamton's response to this. This is just a general comment. I appreciate and can understand their frustration. If this was something that involved. Uh, A relative of mine, a brother or a sister or a parent or a child, I would be frustrated, too. And not so much because of how it's being handled, just because someone I loved was injured. And again, irrespective of what that person did and even irrespective of what the police officers did, I would be frustrated because whoever would have thought that the 24-year-old man would start the new year with facial injuries. I mean, of course, nobody ever expects yeah. it. You know, if if I had gone downtown, and I don't very often anymore, late at night, but say, say a, a couple of my friends said, hey, what, let's do something different. The weather is kind of nice. Why don't we, although I can't remember if it was kind of, I guess it was kind of cold, but anyway, so say, a couple of my friends said, what the heck? Let's let's live it up. Let's pretend we're, we're 25 again and go downtown and celebrate the new year and maybe enjoy ourselves at a couple of establishments. Well, who's to say that I couldn't have wound up in a situation like that where, in theory, you say if I saw people fighting and maybe I tried to intervene and then one thing leads to another – and before you know it, I could have been hurt one way or another by by civilians, by police officers. they if you're
5: a white man, you that wouldn't happen to you. Well, that's
0: I know, I know that's what the response is, but but it could happen. It, it could happen. Could and you and by the have. way, I I respect when people say something like that. I understand that they're, and this is the the truth. This is the truth, and I appreciate it. And whether police officers or administrators or mayors appreciate this, I appreciate when people tell me about their experiences with police officers, either here or in other cities. I appreciate that they sometimes have been treated far, far differently than I've been treated. And I acknowledge. I... I... uh, You're right. I believe it is a fact. Yeah, and there's
5: something that's happening. And I'm not being
0: judgmental about that. I'm just saying, I'm saying when people tell me stories, I listen to their stories and try to understand what it is they're they're trying to share.
5: And Bob, in Memphis now, they're going to release the uh, the police cam of that poor guy that got just beat up senseless. It just hurts me that this still goes on in our country. This poor guy was beaten to death by a few policemen. It's just sickening. They're going to release that and it's going to create an uproar. And hopefully here in Binghamton, they don't say, well, see, like they compare that to what happened. It's two different things, apples and oranges, but there still is police that go overboard. And, uh, you know, I don't even want to know what's going to happen. And you're totally familiar with what went on in Memphis, right? They beat up that poor guy. and uh,
0: I've read and listened to the news accounts. I and I know what you, what what you Rodney know. King.
5: What Rodney King. You know, it's going to be worse than
0: that. I'm not even going to look at it
5: because it's just going to sicken me. I can probably imagine what happened. But, you know, please don't take that and say that it's the same as went on here in binghamton it's not and you know we do need reform but we do need police and we need people to keep law and order and we need people to respect other people's lives that's what we need and we're working towards that we're going towards that and so i got to say bob i just hope things work out you know i hope everybody can uh find peace
0: thank you I agree. I agree with you. I hope people can ultimately find peace in Binghamton and beyond. And it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing. It's 948. Of course, we'll continue taking phone calls. Today is Phone Call Friday. I've cleared the deck so we can get in more phone calls. No guests. On the program today, it's all for you. The listeners, 607-772-1290. You're listening to news radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming at WNBF.com. Uncle okay. Your friend on WNBF on Friendly Friday. Bob and Shenango Forks, you're on the air. Well, I was calling
6: about 8-track players.
0: Oh, yes. Thank you.
6: Now, years ago, I, I can't think of the name, but there was a record place, whatever, on the corner in John City Arch, I think.
0: Hi-fi so, records and tapes.
6: Hi-Fi. I thought it was hi-fi. I wasn't sure. Now, my brother and me used to record a lot of 8 tracks. And we would go there and buy blank 8 tracks. And you could buy them in 40 minutes, 60, 90, maybe 120 minutes. And we recorded a lot of tapes and sold them to people.
7: (laughs) People would bring
6: us albums and things like that. And we would record them. We record off the radio. Uh, 45s, LPs, whatever. Now my brother was very smart and we, ha- I still have all this equipment, tons of old stereo equipment. I probably have 400 homemade 8-track tapes. We would open up the tapes and my brother knew how to add tape to them and we would record all the songs with no break in between the songs. And we have spicing equipment, and we used to keep a catalog, a little card catalog of a certain album, uh, how much tape to add, how much to take off, whatever. And we record everything from James Gang, Black Oak Arkansas, to a ton of things. Now, I haven't used my 8-track players in a while. i got quite a few of them. But I gotta hook them up to see if those eight tracks still work. Well, would you
0: do me a favor at some point if if you hook up your eight track player and it still works? Would you be kind enough to send an email to me because I might like I might like email. I don't
6: have email but you do have my number. I know that.
0: Oh, okay. I've before. All right. Well i you know,
6: I'm always I always want to meet you at Davies and we haven't been there yet.
0: Oh yeah, well I still yeah. I still intend to make that happen, but gee, it seems like I've been saying that now for five years, so
6: I know. But what else I gotta tell you, I actually have an eight track tape, okay? But it's actually a radio, an AM FM radio that you could pour- put into your car or wherever
0: and play a play a radio station on it. <laughs> wow. See, I'm trying to yeah. find out. I don't remember when hi-fi records in Johnson City closed. I see a newspaper yeah. ad for the place as late as 1978, but yeah. I don't know if they were open much after that. I know years ago at a radio station in Endicott called the Big E, yeah. They had a station called the Big E. Actually, I worked there for a while um, right. and early in my career playing the hits. Um, yeah. A guy named the Grease Boy was, he had a, a show and he did a, a remote over at Hi-Fi Records and Tapes there on Main Street in Johnson City. And I really, really, really wanted to go there and for some reason I, I was unable to, uh, to see him do his remote broadcast over at the record shop. But anyway, memories.
6: Yeah. Well, we used to have two good Stereo places. One was Federal Electronic on the Vessel Parkway, and also I think it was called Federal way down. And yep. they used to sell some good stereo equipment. I still have a lot of my equipment. Oh from yeah, there. some of that and stuff so was been... was
0: great. I bought I bought items there as well. Bob, thank you for the memories, and keep mm-hmm. me posted on on that eight track experiment. I want to find out if his eight track still works. Bob Joseph, WNBF.
1: You get pricing and coverage made for small
0: businesses. What are you waiting for? Ask your agent for pie or get a quote in three minutes at I need pie.com. That's I need P I E dot com. Bob Joseph, 10 o'clock, WNBF Binghamton. Where news breaks
8: first. News Radio 1290, WNBF.
1: Good morning on this Friday, January 27th. You're listening to WNBF. A Broome County businessman is moving forward with a redevelopment plan that will start with removing several abandoned structures in Endwell. Tim Connolly is preparing to remove five or six buildings along East Main Street and Scarborough Drive. Connolly wants to demolish the structure to create a big, wide-open site that would be attractive for future development. One of the buildings to be torn down is a laundromat that was damaged in an arson fire in 1988. The wrecked structure on East Main Street has been boarded up and unused for nearly 35 years. Other nearby buildings are also to be removed. Connolly said some paperwork still must be finalized, but he expects the demolition work will occur this spring. He said that would make five acres available for a future project. Town of Union supervisor Robert Mack is excited that the eyesores should soon be a thing of the past. He said, "Yay, yeah, yes, they're coming down. Mack said the Town of Union Local Development Corporation will provide $200,000 to support what's expected to be a $300,000 project to prepare the site. At this point, Connolly doesn't know what might be developed on the property. He said he'll be looking for the right entity that can grow the corridor along East Main Street. Connolly's company, CEO of First General of Southern New York, now has its offices in a building at the site. It had been home to a series of bars over the past few decades. A nearby building on East Main Street was torn down to make way for a distribution facility that will be used by AutoZone, a car parts retailer. People seeking some sweet treats in Johnson City can look forward to visiting a business that's setting up operations on Main Street in the village. Gabriella Lopicolo Gregory has been working for months to prepare the site at 265 Main Street. Gabriella's Cakes and Company will provide a storefront location for the business. Piccolo Gregory has been operating in the town of Maine in recent years. She's been the pastry chef for Frank's Italian Restaurant, which is owned by her father. Plans call for the retail portion of the Johnson City site to open February 11th for a four-day period around Valentine's Day. The shop is expected to move to regular hours shortly after that. La Piccolo Gregory said she's received plenty of assistance from her parents as she works to set up the shop. The business will feature cupcakes, specialty desserts, and -and grab-and-go cakes. Coffee and some specialty drinks will also be available. The shop will be located at Main and North Broad Streets. The location is across the street from the former Red Robin Diner. In Broome County Court, Kyle Babala, age 34, of Johnson City, entered a plea of guilty to murder in second degree. Babala admitted that on the 31st of December 2021, he intentionally killed Scott Groover by striking him numerous times with a machete. During a dispute at 330 Floral Avenue in the village of Johnson City, Babala, who had no prior criminal history in New York, will be sentenced to 20 years to life in New York State Prison on April 26th. Michael Korchak, Broom County District Attorney, said this was an inexplicable, senseless act of violence. By avoiding a trial, we hope that there could be some closure for the victim's family. Our thoughts are with them today. On Wednesday, January 25th, Binghamton Metro SWAT assisted the Broom County Special Investigations Unit Task Force with executing a narcotic search warrant at 111 Oak Street, Apartment 4, located in Binghamton, New York. As a result of the search warrant, investigators located a defaced RG Industries 22 long long-range revolver, approximately 40 grams of crack cocaine, approximately 26 grams of fentanyl, approximately 25 grams of methamphetamine, approximately 5,500 in suspected drug sale proceeds, and drug paraphernalia items used in the sale and distribution of controlled substances. As a result of the investigation, Andrew Bethune was arrested and transported to the Binghamton Police Department to be processed on charges of criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree, criminal possession of a controlled substance in the fourth degree, criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, and criminal using drug paraphernalia in the second degree. An Islamic extremist who killed eight people with a speeding truck in a 2017 rampage on a popular New York City bike path has been convicted of federal charges and could face the death penalty. Jurors found Saifullo Saipov guilty on Thursday. Prosecutors say the Halloween attack was inspired by his reverence for the Islamic State group. The jury announced its verdict in a Manhattan courtroom just a few blocks from where Saipov's attack ended. The jury will return to court no earlier than February 6th to hear more evidence to help decide whether Saipov should be executed or spend the rest of his life in prison. U.S. Representative George Santos' campaign committee has told federal regulators it hired a new treasurer amid lingering questions about the source of his wealth and irregularities in the committee's financial reports. But the man Santos supposedly hired says he actually turned the job down. It wasn't immediately clear whether the committee made an error listing a new treasurer on federal election commission paperwork or if it was another lie by a congressman caught fabricating many elements of his life story. The accountant who declined the job said through a lawyer that there appeared to be some sort of miscommunication. The National Archives has asked former presidents and vice presidents to recheck their personal records for any classified documents following the news that President Joe Biden and former Vice President Mike Pence had documents in their possession after they left office. The Archives sent a letter Thursday to the representatives of former presidents and vice presidents from former President Ronald Reagan to the present to ensure compliance on the issue of compliance with the Presidential Records Act, which states that any records created or received by the president are the property of the US government and will be managed by the Archives at the end of the administration. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton: Today scattered snow showers mainly before 9 a.m., mostly cloudy with a high near 34 degrees, 30% chance of snow. Tonight, a chance of snow showers mainly after 5 a.m., mostly cloudy with a low near 26 degrees, 30% chance of snow. Tomorrow, a slight chance of snow showers before 9 a.m., partly sunny with a high near 40 degrees, 20% chance of snow. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy, a low near 31 degrees. And Sunday, rain and snow showers likely after 8 a.m., becoming all rain showers after 10 a.m. Cloudy with a high near 42 degrees, 60% chance of rain. Sunday night showers likely before 8 p.m. Cloudy with a low near 26 degrees, 60% chance of rain. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM.
0: Bob Joseph live on a Friday morning, having a little bit of fun after a very busy week. Our number is 607-772-1290. 607-772-1290. Feel free to call whether you're a regular caller or whether you have never called us before i would love to hear from you today on news radio wnbf and let's take a call now at 10 11 good morning you're on the air what's your first name where are you calling from uh, today i'm john i'm in uh, binghamton and a good good morning to you
9: yeah um you know the i think the uh, four track tape uh was before the eight track tape Uh, I think it was Earl Month uh, that had it. They were similar size. The difference between the 4-Track tape and the 8-Track tape cartridge was that the 8-Track had the pinch wheel inside uh, the cartridge, and the 4-Track used a pinch wheel from the player, so they were not compatible. And, of course, you're familiar with the 4-Track format because they were extensively used in the broadcast business
0: for commercials yes those we called them carts you have to have a big stack of carts for every hour for for all of our commercials one one time i i think i had to get a stack of carts 25 28 carts and you've been in radio stations before when a big stack of carts when somebody is trying to stack too many carts to prepare for an hour or whatever and then they go all tumbling all over the floor you've seen that
9: well, yeah, and my uh, next-door neighbor uh, uh for a time was uh, Bob Close who uh, managed WMBF and he gave me uh uh some old cartridges which uh, from WMBF uh which I uh, <laughs> I bulky raced and then what I did is I got a uh, four-track cartridge machine using the same head The playback head, because it didn't have a record head, but there's no difference between a playback and a recording head. And uh, I recorded my own uh, spot announcements on that.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you also have had the enjoyable experience of uh, editing. Uh, and And splicing tape haven 't you and and with the the razor blade and the splicing tape and man that 's how that 's how three m Minnesota mining and telegraph that 's how they made their their first well, billion dollars selling splicing tape to radio stations
9: see if you if, if sometimes you wonder how you get interested in things, but I lived on a small dead end street, and you know it 's bad enough that I was interested in music anyway, but then Bob Close moved it, uh, uh, next door. Uh, very sharp guy, very, very sharp. You know, an ex-disc jockey himself. And then uh, two doors down was a guy named Sid Feen, who had a record distributing place. Uh, now, this was on Shenango Street uh, called, uh, well, uh, the G&G Record uh, Distributors. It was a one-stop. They used to put records in various non-record stores. Uh, Kenny Glassman was his partner there. So sometimes I, I – and what Sid, Sid Feeney used to do, he, he used to throw out all the promotion copies in his garbage. So I would walk up up two doors down, and I would pick up all the uh, <laughs> the records of the day, you know, Jack Jones and stuff like that. But uh, what I called about was the never-ending saga of promises made, promises broken, which is the core of downtown Binghamton for the last 60 years. Uh, we're all familiar with the prefab garage that was built there or brought in.
0: Uh, Rich David, eight yeah, years trucked ago. in from uh, Massachusetts from a, a company uh, that makes the parts for uh, parking garages. So they they trucked them in, they staged the parts over at the Binghamton Plaza, and then bit by bit they they assembled. As they say, some assembly required. And.
9: Uh, substantially longer time than the lord's hospital garage which went up like lickety split but that was supposed to be a mixed-use project and it was going to be i don't know 22 million dollars going to have apartments and stores and they came in there's i think in the press there might be an artist rendering of it with starbucks uh a logo on one of the uh, artist renderings but anyway uh lo and behold it then turned into the same dollar amount of the project, but you're just getting a, a prefab parking grant
0: uh then that Oh was... yeah, several years later. Several oh my gosh, it was painful to wait that out. I mean it it eventually happened, but I didn't think that I would ever see anything, a parking garage or a Starbucks or anything built at seven Hawley Street.
9: So you got a parking garage uh and an empty lot next to it. Well, it looks like the same thing is going to happen uh, at Boscoff's at the Water Street ramp. If you go and you can see the video, YouTube, of the Binghamton Local Development Corporation meeting yesterday, the cat really came out of the bag. Uh, number one, the Boscoff lease is uh, still in negotiations, and the mayor hired an outside law firm to do the agreement. So Boscoff right now at this point isn't on board with anything except the the, the year lease that is rapidly, rapidly uh, you know, running out again. Uh, so the, the, we have this eyesore, this demolished uh, parking garage and this thing that sticks out. Uh, and lo and behold, this new project now, this so-called Water Street development, is now just another prefab parking ramp. The mixed-use component, the apartments and the commercial space, are now uh, completely on the back burner, to say the least. What the city is going to do is spend $3 million for what they're calling a podium that can be built on later, $3 million. And the company that got the contract for this mixed-use project is going to pay the city little by little on the $3 million cost of this podium if if they decide to complete the mixed-use project. Now, you know what's happening here is they're going to try to panhandle uh, for more government grants.
0: You mean they're going to have to look to Washington or Albany or both to try to defray to the cost of the project that I was promised?
9: Right, exactly. And, you know, again, this is the second time this has happened, and this is why I suggested that all these projects have a completion bond. before You know, if you're going to announce something to the public, Uh, Then, uh, you you know, in these grandiose projects, it doesn't doesn't make any sense. You know, this this idea of things above a parking ramp, this has been tried numerous times. Syracuse got rid of them, uh, Scranton, uh, you know, every place. Nobody wants to live above carbon monoxide fumes. Uh, Nobody wants to walk up to their uh, uh, apartment and smell carbon monoxide fumes. You go underground. You know, I mean, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, the, the subterranean parking is the only thing that makes any sense because, uh, this other, other crap uh, looks terrible. But anyway, just another big project, uh, that, uh, is, is not going to come to fruition in anywhere near the time frame. By the way, the time frame is not even referred to. But if you watch the BLDC meeting, you see that Chuck Shager, the city's control comptroller, is really the city manager. This guy is doing all the heavy work. Uh, he's got all the answers to all the questions. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, why, why doesn't Rich David, who is still, by the way, head of this Water Street development, and Chris Papistrat, the ex councilman, they're on the board, why don't they fess up? Because, see, here's the thing they're not only wasting money. But as the other project that the BLDC is involved in, the Crowley uh, uh, building, you know, they're wasting our time. You know, they, they waste our money. It's bad enough. But we wait and wait and wait, and a decade or more goes by, and there's nothing to show for This was Mondev. This is all this stuff. So they're pulling your leg.
0: You know, if, if I had enough time, I would document how many schemes and scams... That have been promised to the people of the city of Binghamton over the last half century. I mean, it's just it's beyond the pale that that uh, time and again we've been we've been promised a beautiful, wonderful, vibrant downtown, various various themes, various twists, and then it never happens. I mean, now uh, I'm not complaining about the work that finally wrapped up several weeks ago on one block of State Street. Hey, it's good as far as they got, but they still didn't get it done. They have to go back to that block of State Street between Henry and Lewis in the spring to put the top coat on. So it looks nice. I don't recall what the how many millions of dollars it cost, but it took almost all of the construction season it inconvenienced small business operators to the point where they almost went under so okay that's a step in the right direction but where are all these great projects and and as you say these projects that seem to uh somehow mysteriously have have imaginary financing schemes. They're announced with uh, all sorts of enthusiasm at photo ops, never during a live radio interview where there could be thoughtful follow-up questions about, well, tell me more. So usually... It's a, a, a big announcement. You've got the usual suspects who show up, so they can be on the 6 o'clock news or maybe on the front page of the paper, standing around a, a microphone and a, a podium. And let's face it, that's not the ideal place for reporters to ask follow-up questions. It just isn't. You could ask one or two questions, then people start to get irritated, noticeably annoyed if you ask more than two follow-up questions like, hey, we only allocated eight minutes for this. Let us get on with our lives. We have coffee to drink and people to meet.
9: Well, if you want to do redevelopment, and Bingham's been at this for a long time, endicott has been at this for a long time, let me tell you who your competition is in upstate New York. And these are projects that were done in the 70s. One of them... uh, Corning Market Street, done in the early 70s. They were, uh, and the Ithaca Commons. These projects were completed within a year and a half, two years. Uh, everything that was promised was delivered. And, uh, you know, you look at Market Street to this day. Now, what do you have at the end of Market Street? At one of the world's biggest corporations. So, uh, if, if that could have been done in 1972, uh, and the Ithaca Commons uh, was uh, the efforts of a, of a gentleman. I forgot he used to run a clothing store down there, but he was the prime mover on it. He's since deceased. That was a local Ithaca project where business owners got together, said we, they want to do this. It wasn't, it didn't take on more, it didn't bite off more than it could chew. They completed it. And, you know, today the rest is history. But, uh, you know, if you can't finish I mean, it, the, the city's this hodgepodge. It goes from one thing. You know, now they're Clinton Street. Uh, I would say let the First Ward Action Council rent all the commercial space.
0: Oh, that's another thing. Don't get me started on that. Look at those those buildings over there on Clinton Street where the uh, the old Lincoln Hotel was and and, of course, the... Burnt-out remains of the arson-destroyed Lincoln Hotel were torn down, and then that project was announced with some fanfare. I'm, I mean, it's nice that I think the apartments that are on the second and third floors are fully occupied, but I believe there are at least two commercial spaces on the first floor that are continue well, to go begging.
9: He, here's here's what. I- and Clinton Street was supposed to be finished uh, when the, they spent $8 million on it, With the and they didn't bury the underground because it would have cost them another million. Uh, look, let me say this. Let, let the Endicott Board of Trustees, let the Binghamton City Council tell me this. When are these projects, when is Washington Avenue going to look as good as Ithaca Commons and Market Street? When is downtown Binghamton going to look as good as Ithaca or, or Corning? Uh because they promise things and the only the, the major contribution so far of Jared Cram is to cut down uh, hundreds of trees this is what he's doing Uh, Well, that's the thing
0: on the west side. Just drive around some of the most beautiful west side neighborhoods and look at the shameless butchery. And I, You know what surprises me, John, even though it's 2023 and people don't want to get involved anymore? I'm surprised there are no so-called tree huggers left in Binghamton or specifically on some of those beautiful west side streets, including some wonderful homes, some of the best homes in the city of Binghamton. And look at what happened to their trees by... Some guys, crews from out of town. They brought in out of town guys to butcher some of the most beautiful trees on Binghamton's scenic west side.
9: Well, on Grand Boulevard, Cram Cram himself and the city are just cutting them down, like they cut down those big trees on on downtown. uh, You know, and then they
0: oh near um, the commercial alley, and they never they never explained. They said uh, some of the trees were apparently. Uh, bothering a building Uh, because they had gotten they had gotten so tall so instead of trimming the trees the area where some building got bothered they took down all the trees and now look at it commercial alley it's a shame
9: and you know ask the city i file freedom of information, uh, information request if they've ever gotten a penny for all this lumber and some of it is prime lumber. They, 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 the lumber seems to disappear. It's, it's said that they use it for mulch. Well, how much mulch would they need? And they would have more mulch than any mulch person ever would need uh, with all the trees that they've, they've taken down. So this is this is an ongoing disaster. We don't have smart people here. We we uh, 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 if if we do get a smart person that that uh, we that, this, that they're all against them. We're given 175. Thousand dollars a year to the head of the IDA, who only goes around. Oh, and by the way, let me let me. Who is also head of the Chamber of Commerce? Let me ask you something, Bob. Has WNDF ever gotten any kind of award uh, from the IDA or the Chamber for all the good that they do? You're on the uh, uh, internet and you're you're doing stories about small business opening up. You're promoting the area. Have you ever gotten an award or been to one of these
0: banquets? I don't believe so. I don't believe I've been invited and I don't believe any station representative has ever been acknowledged for our tireless work to report on our community. Yes, we but, have we as you know and thank you for noticing. I have a a, a very strong focus on uncovering emerging businesses, expanding businesses and sometimes sadly businesses that have to close or suspend operations for a time, but I, I think it's very important that everybody Binghamton and across the triple cities has an idea of what small business operators are up to
9: well if they don't give you an award this year I'll get some on my Lucite supplier to, to, to make one up for you
0: just send me um, send me a PDF file and then I'll print it out and I'll go to the uh, 99 cent frame shop and I'll I'll, I'll put I'll put the the uh, the award certificate that you drew up and emailed to me in a PDF file, I'll, I'll put it up here in the studio.
9: Okay, thank the little people, will you?
0: <laughs> thank you. <laughs> the little people who contributed along the way, as well as tipsters, by the way. That's another thing. The un, the unsung heroes of journalism, whether it's in Binghamton or anywhere else, are those who actually reach out to speak with reporters, reach out and speak with a reporter not just me i mean obviously i would prefer if you have an interesting story that you'd like to um have looked into or possibly reported my preference would be that you would call me or email me first bob at wnbf.com but if you prefer the tv stations channel 12 Channel thirty four, channel forty, spectrum news, W S K G. Um hey, and and the newspaper, press connects. Connect with a journalist. If you have information, please. Yes, I'm I'm a journalist. I, I like to be first with stories, but I, I also acknowledge I can't be first with everything, and I don't expect to be first with everything. But if if you have a news tip, Email the appropriate news organization. And also be patient because you may not understand that news organizations right now are horrifically understaffed. And and reporters, those few who remain, the last reporters standing in Binghamton in this market, are overworked. And again, this is not a complaint. This is just a status report. We are working hard to cover as many stories as possible in a short period. So if you don't receive a quick response, do a follow-up. Oh, and another thing, if you do a follow-up, think about this. Try to be polite. You know, if you sent something, an email with some sort of news item or news tip or whatever, and you haven't received the kind of response you wanted... And so you think the best way to address that matter is to do a follow-up in a snarky voice. Wow, well, think about it. Bob Joseph Live, our number is 607-772-1290. You're listening to news radio, WNBF, 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and streaming on the free WNBF app. Take more calls right now, DJ in Binghamton.
10: Well, good morning, armchair quarterbacks who've never built anything a day in your life. It's a beautiful Friday. Hey, I want to talk about a relative of mine who passed away from pancreatic cancer after ten months, and then um, Alex Trebek went in twenty months. He was a multimillionaire, so he had the best treatments and doctors. Well, Bob, nobody's talking about Vladimir Putin, who's over his eleventh month with pancreatic cancer. And they're saying that that's why he's attacking hospitals and schools and blowing up nuclear facilities and everything else. So I just wonder why no one's, you know, bringing that up. We're headed for once Italy and UK and England gets involved, it's you know, it's going to be. But we've talked about this before. The First World War lasted four years. Second one lasted six. That's something that should be discussed.
0: Okay, you did. Cricket, cricket. Well what you know, I, I have nothing to add. And I no. I certainly I certainly don't want to discuss it.
10: Well, you know, people call up and talk about worse than that. They say worse things than that, you know, they call up and they slam people. But anyway, check this out. If you go on YouTube and you type in Zelensky stand up comic, look where he made fun and ridiculed and mocked Putin for twelve to fifteen years as a stand up comic. Then he became president. So people don't know why. And I'm not justifying it. But but I'm saying, you know, to taunt someone on a stage as a stand-up comic for years and years become a decade or two. And then they start bombing your hospitals and schools. I'm not justifying it. No death is really justified.
0: Well, then all that says is Vladimir Putin needs some serious help. And unfortunately, it's too late.
10: He does. And he's been Botoxing his face and he's been trying to make I don't care a if he cool. drinks
0: a, a, a 3 liter bottle of botox it's not going to help what ails him. Right. Exactly. You know, the guy. Yeah. You know, I'm not even going to say because what if he's listening? What if he's listening and something I say rubs him the wrong way. You know, it's just inexplicable, it's inexcusable, it's inhumane. And just in fairness, Mr. Putin, stop. That's all I'm going to say. And I can't can't discuss that issue, especially on a Friday. I could. I don't think it's in anyone's best interest on a Binghamton radio station to spend much time on that this Friday morning. You can think about it. And by the way, between now and noon, if you want to discuss it, I won't stop you. Ron in Binghamton, good morning.
7: This shortage of Botox in the U.S. Uh, apparently, uh, so much Botox was used on uh, Jane Fonda and those three other uh, women to make this new movie about the Super Bowl and Tom Brady. Uh, they had to use everything they could to get them on the screen. Uh, so, you know, watch out if you need Botox. Uh, but that's not why I called. So I'm going to tell you why I called now. Uh, Bob, did you ever hear the old song, If I Knew You Were Coming, I'd Bake the Cake?
0: You remember that song? No, but I know the the cake where the green icing melted in the rain. I know that one but, out, at, uh, out at Recreation yeah. Park.
7: Well, this story... Kind of takes the cake. I, I read about the update in today's, uh, press and sun. Uh, the headline reads, Baker loses appeal over transgender cake. Remember, remember uh, remember the cake that the baker in Colorado wouldn't, uh, wouldn't bake for the gay couple. They wanted a, a wedding cake and he refused to bake the wedding cake and he got, uh, approval when the case went to the Supreme Court, which basically said he he could not be commanded uh, to bake something uh, and use speech, which is against his religious principles. So on religious grounds, he says he couldn't bake a cake for a gay couple. And they basically adjudicated that by saying, you know, he's not against LGBTQ people, this baker. He's, uh, just doesn't want to be compelled to speak on an issue for which he has a religious opinion. So he was, he got away with not baking the cake. Well, someone else came to his establishment, uh, a woman who asked him to bake a birthday cake and she said she wanted it with pink and blue icing. So he said, sure, I can make that. And then she told him, it's a transgender cake. I'm I'm changing genders from a ma- from female to male, and that's what the cake is for. And then he said, "I won't bake it under those principles." So now that went to the uh, court in the Supreme Court in Colorado, and the Colorado people said, "No, you you've got to bake that cake. You you're you're uh, now going a little bit too far against. Uh, this isn't about free speech." Or you being compelled, you're a bigot, essentially. So I just thought I'd bring that out. Uh, the cake battle goes on. Uh, I, you know, it's a, it's a thorny kind of issue because it strikes at the heart of what we believe and how we treat people. And I'm wondering what your viewers think about the baker who refused to bake the transgender cake.
0: All right, we'll throw that out there and see what our uh, viewers have to say. There's the question. What do you think about the cake controversy? 607-772-1290. This is WNBF. Dan Bongino today from noon to 3. Sean Hannity this afternoon from 3 to 6. And Mark Levin tonight from 6 to 9 on News Radio. WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM and streaming at WNBF.com. 10.44, live on WNBF, Robin Fort Crane. Good morning, you're on the air. Good
11: morning, Bob. Hi, there's a couple stories I haven't heard you guys mention all week. One was ABC News talked about they finally found Russian collusion, and it was Charles McGonigal, New York field office counterintelligence guy for the FBI. I thought that was kind of, intelli- kind of interesting that nobody even talked about it all week. And while well, we're speaking of Russia, two days ago, the Admiral Gorshkov a Russian frigate armed with those Zircon hypersonic missiles. has veered off course. It's headed towards the U.S. I thought that would be a lot more important than some of the things we've heard. I wanted your comments.
0: Charles McGonagall, I think, started out as um, a well-respected agent of the Bureau, and then something something went horribly wrong based on what has been reported in recent days. I, I don't know. Uh, I've heard some people... Just question why a guy who was quite respected among his peers, why why he would do what's he, what he's accused of doing.
11: I think we all know, Bob, the answer to that is money. And I also heard a great, listen to this quote by Jimmy Dore. He said, he, this is what he said about our government. They spend trillions of dollars on bills that they don't even read, but they want details on how we spend $600. Doesn't that pretty much sum it up?
0: That's the USA today.
11: I love Jimmy Dore.
0: Do you ever well, watch him? Well, he he certainly has a, a bigger following than I do. That much I know.
11: Oh yeah, but he's just got a bigger market because he's been
0: all over the place. You well, know? that means he's smarter. He's in a bigger market, and he has a lot more people who pay attention to what he says every day.
11: Yeah, that's true. He's a bit of an opt, a bit of an optimist sometimes, but at other times he just goes way overboard. Oh, the other thing I was going to ask you, Bob, if you would please correct some of these Democrat callers that call your show and talk about how great Barack Obama was, just remind them of one fact. He took us from two wars to seven, Bob.
0: Well, I'll also point out the the fact that his successor took us from whatever wars to, well, he didn't start any new wars. The sad thing is he didn't, is, he, didn't he didn't end he didn't end the war that he said he was going to. He he left that for for Biden to actually shut down.
11: Well, no, you're actually wrong there, Bob. He made a deal with them to get our troops out by May 1st because they couldn't do it earlier than that.
0: No, so I'm Biden saying says- I, I'm not talking about any deals he made. He didn't accomplish what he said he was going to do during his time in office. Maybe he was operating under the impression that he would still be in the White House. In 2021, and it turned out that wasn't the case. But I'm saying during the four years he was in office, he was not successful in keeping that promise. I'm not talking about deals that were made.
11: Bob, that was. No. You're so wrong about that. You know, Obama was the worst president we've ever had, Trump was one of the best. Our economy was in great shape. Black unemployment was record low. It's never been that low in history. You know, and Obama took over, and now we're paying $8 for a, for a dozen eggs. So who was the better president? Really think about
12: it.
0: Well, I, don't, I, don't I would Donald say, Trump how, how about fight. this? How about this? Since you asked a question. None of the above.
11: What do you mean, none of the above?
0: You asked a question, uh, and it puts me on the spot. Which was the better president? trump or obama and my answer is c none of the above or neither to be more accurate you don't
11: think trump is better than obama at all no really he took us from two wars to seven trump didn't start a war but that i'm not i'm yet.
0: not looking at it just on on foreign policy okay well Bob, in military and military restric- military adventurism i'm talking about as a whole I, I'm looking at their presidencies as a whole. Over eight years, I think Obama did more good for the country than Trump did in his four years before he got fired.
11: Bob, listen, please don't cut me off. I want to make one more point. Barack Obama kicked 5.1 million people out of their homes so the banks could buy the homes back. So I don't and he also brought in the Muslim Brotherhood in our government. So did Trump do either of those things?
0: No. No. He didn't do either of those things. He did a lot of other things. Again, Donald Trump in his four years didn't do as well, ultimately, as Barack Obama did in his eight years. Mr. Trump had an opportunity to easily slide into a second term. And he blew it. He blew it. And that's why it's an American tragedy. Yeah, a lot of Americans, tens of millions of Americans, may not have agreed with how Mr. Trump conducted himself as president and then since. But he still had a perfect opportunity to easily win the 2020 election. He blew it. And I understand why people aren't happy because it wasn't meant, it wasn't supposed to be that way. And Democrats and Joe Biden must just be laughing that thanks to what Donald Trump did in the six months leading up to the November election in 2020, that's how, that's how ultimately victories happened in some key states that gave Joe Biden enough electoral votes. But again, wasn't preordained. It wasn't preordained. It was not in the cards. But Donald Trump basically signed his pink slip. 1051. This is Bob Joseph on WNBF. Angie's- Bob Joseph, live at 1054. This is WNBF Friday morning. Thank you for listening to news radio. 921 FM, 1290 AM. Streaming at WNBF.com. Here's a story from the Times Union in Albany less than a week after trumpeting a full slate of city council candidates in Schenectady. The Republican party is searching for a new candidate after hopeful Jeff Moore dropped out of the race because a newspaper came up with social media posts that the leader of his party characterized as racist and anti-Semitic. Schenectady City Republican Chairman Matt Nelligan said Jeff Moore bowed out less than an hour after he received screenshots from a Daily Gazette reporter of some of Moore's posts. In one item, Moore described the Nazis' treatment of Jewish people under Hitler's Germany. And I won't read what he wrote, but it's there for all to see at timesunion.com. And then he went on to suggest people who reject COVID vaccinations are characterized as the new unclean. In another post, this Republican candidate, who is now bowed out, raised the old trope that President Obama was not born in the USA, calling him a man of Kenya. In another, he described Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, members of Congress who are Muslim, as Islamic radicals. Nelligan said his party should have carried out a greater scrutiny of Moore's social media post. He said, we don't tolerate any kind of racism or anti-Semitism. So within less than 60 minutes, tick, 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 he was out of the race. And there, uh, the guy, former candidate now, uh, named Jeff Moore, who is 54 years old which would be, I guess you could say, old enough to know better, he did not return a call from the Albany Times-Union to comment on his tweets or whatever. I I guess they were on Twitter, social media. And thank goodness for journalism. And thank goodness for a reporter from the Schenectady Daily Gazette, because... As we see, without proper vetting of candidates, bad things can happen. Just ask, ask the people on Long Island as they look at their representative. Who just can't stop lying. 1057, Bob Joseph, a fun Friday for you on News Radio WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. It's 11 o'clock at News Radio WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com.
8: Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290,
1: WNBF. Good morning on this Friday, January 27th. You're listening to WNBF. A Broome County businessman is moving forward with a redevelopment plan that will start with removing several abandoned structures in Endwell. Tim Connolly is preparing to remove five or six buildings along East Main Street and Scarborough Drive. Connolly wants to demolish the structure to create a big, wide-open site that would be attractive for future development. One of the buildings to be torn down is a laundromat that was damaged in an arson fire in 1988. The wrecked structure on East Main Street has been boarded up and unused for nearly 35 years. Other nearby buildings are also to be removed. Connolly said some paperwork still must be finalized, but he expects the demolition work will occur this spring. He said that would make five acres available for a future project. Town of Union Supervisor Robert Mack is excited that the eyesores should soon be a thing of the past. He said, yeah, yes, they're coming down. Mack said the Town of Union Local Development Corporation will provide $200,000 to support what's expected to be a $300,000 project to prepare the site. At this point, Connolly doesn't know what might be developed on the property. He said he'll be looking for the right entity that can grow the corridor along East Main Street. Connolly's company, CEO of First General of Southern New York, now has its offices in a building at the site. It had been home to a series of bars over the past few decades. A nearby building on East Main Street was torn down to make way for a distribution facility that will be used by AutoZone, a car parts retailer. People seeking some sweet treats in Johnson City can look forward to visiting a business that's setting up operations on Main Street in the village. Gabriella Lo Piccolo Gregory has been working for months to prepare the site at 265 Main Street. Gabriella's Cakes & Company will provide a storefront location for the business. La Piccolo Gregory has been operating in the town of Maine in recent years. She's been the pastry chef for Frank's Italian Restaurant, which is owned by her father. Plans call for the retail portion of the Johnson City site to open February 11th for a four-day period around Valentine's Day. The shop is expected to move to regular hours shortly after that. La Piccolo Gregory said she's received plenty of assistance from her parents as she works to set up the shop. The business will feature cupcakes, specialty desserts, and -and grab-and-go cakes. Coffee and some specialty drinks will also be available. The shop will be located at Main and North Broad Streets. The location is across the street from the former Red Robin Diner. In Broome County Court, Kyle Babala, age 34, of Johnson City, entered a plea of guilty to murder in second degree. Babala admitted that on the 31st of December 2021, he intentionally killed Scott Groover by striking him numerous times with a machete. During a dispute at 330 Floral Avenue in the village of Johnson City, Babila, who had no prior criminal history in New York, will be sentenced to 20 years to life in New York State Prison on April 26th. Michael Korchak, Broome County District Attorney, said this was an inexplicable, senseless act of violence. By avoiding a trial, we hope that there could be some closure for the victim's family. Our thoughts are with them today. On Wednesday, January 25th, Binghamton Metro SWAT assisted the Broome County Special Investigations Unit Task Force with executing a narcotics search warrant at 111 Oak Street, Apartment 4, located in Binghamton, New York. As a result of the search warrant, investigators located a defaced RG Industries 22 long-range revolver, approximately 40 grams of crack cocaine, approximately 26 grams of fentanyl, approximately 25 grams of methamphetamine, approximately 5,500 in suspected drug sale proceeds, and drug paraphernalia items used in the sale and distribution of controlled substances. As a result of the investigation, Andrew Bethune was arrested and transported to the Binghamton Police Department to be processed on charges of criminal possession of a controlled substance in the third degree, criminal possession of a controlled substance in the fourth degree, criminal possession of a weapon in the third degree, and criminal using drug paraphernalia in the second degree. An Islamic extremist who killed eight people with a speeding truck in a 2017 rampage on a popular New York City bike path has been convicted of federal charges and could face the death penalty. Jurors found Saifullo Saipov guilty on Thursday. Prosecutors say the Halloween attack was inspired by his reverence for the Islamic State group. The jury announced its verdict in a Manhattan courtroom just a few blocks from where Saipov's attack ended. The jury will return to court no earlier than February 6th to hear more evidence to help decide whether Saipov should be executed or spend the rest of his life in prison. U.S. Representative George Santos' campaign committee has told federal regulators it hired a new treasurer amid lingering questions about the source of his wealth and irregularities in the committee's financial reports. But the man Santos supposedly hired says he actually turned the job down. It wasn't immediately clear whether the committee made an error listing a new treasurer on federal election commission paperwork or if it was another lie by a congressman caught fabricating many elements of his life's story. The accountant, who declined the job, said through a lawyer that there appeared to be some sort of miscommunication. The National Archives has asked former presidents and vice presidents to recheck their personal records for any classified documents following the news that President Joe Biden and former Vice President Mike Pence had documents in their possession after they left office. The Archives sent a letter Thursday to the representatives of former presidents and vice presidents from former President Ronald Reagan to the present to ensure compliance on the issue of compliance with the Presidential Records Act, which states that any records created or received by the president are the property of the U.S. government and will be managed by the Archives at the end of the administration. National Weather Service forecast for downtown Binghamton. Today, scattered snow showers mainly before 9 a.m., mostly cloudy with a high near 34 degrees, 30% chance of snow. Tonight, a chance of snow showers mainly after 5 a.m., mostly cloudy with a low near 26 degrees, 30% chance of snow. Tomorrow, a slight chance of snow showers before 9 a.m., partly sunny with a high near 40 degrees, 20% chance of snow. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy, a low near 31 degrees. And Sunday, rain and snow showers likely after 8 a.m., becoming all rain showers after 10 a.m. Cloudy with a high near 42 degrees, 60% chance of rain. Sunday night showers likely before 8 p.m. Cloudy with a low near 26 degrees, 60% chance of rain. You're listening to WMBF, where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WMBF, WMBF WMBF.com, and 92.1 FM.
0: I'm Joseph, live on WNBM. I
2: woke up this morning with the sundown shining in. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then. I tripped down a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind on a jagged sky. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'll violate HEPA, but I can uh, report live on the air. My condition has stabilized. I know. So somebody's going to call the HEPA police and say he disclosed too much about what condition his condition was in. Send him to HEPA prison. 607-772-1290, WNBF, what's your first name? Where are you calling from? Walter from Spencer, New York. Hey, Roger, what's going on in Tioga County?
13: Oh, all's well, it's Walter. Um, Bob, I was listening a little earlier, and you were talking about a subject that I've often wondered about, and that is all the grandiose, as we say, uh, announcements of projects, and we're going to bring this many jobs and this new building, and this is going to be revitalized, and then, you think you look back and hey, wait a second—that never happened. Um, did you say you were compiling a list going back? I would love to see back to 1982, you know, or whatever. An idea. Or, 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 or how many of those projects have been promised and politicians there proudly announcing this, and then they don't happen?
0: Oh, I would say in Broome and Tioga counties, dozens. Say, if I went back 40 years. Let's say yeah. fifty years, because yeah. one of one of yeah. the highest profile uh, projects that crashed and burned was the Savin project in the town of Union. They were talking about <laughs> right. a company that would make beautiful high tech color copiers, and they were talking right. there would be more than two thousand people before you knew it, putting together beautiful high tech color copiers. Well, to be fair, of course the place was constructed. Heck, that's where the newspaper at its newsroom for a while before they decided they don't need a newsroom. But um, the Savin Savin adventure culminated a few years later uh, with the whole thing being unplugged. I think at one point, to be fair, uh, there may have been as many as 500 people working there, but it it certainly never came close to what Hugh Carey and local officials had promised.
13: Right, right. Yeah, and that's just it. I know... I've you know, we've all seen these things announced on the T V and uh the newspapers and it is, it is I you know, I remember thinking oh, this is great news, great news. But then you you, you become so skeptical anymore because you think, not garn it all, they don't happen. it And that was an interesting point your caller made that the Gaffer district in uh in uh Corning and the Ithaca Commons were completed and are very successful. So yeah, I just I, I mean I hate these negative and skeptical and Pessimistic,
0: but darn it all! It seems like it always happens. Well, I I don't consider myself pessimistic. I will say I'm skeptical. I'm cautiously optimistic about things that are going on now in Broome and Tauga counties. But I just have to say, people need to pay attention to every announcement and and keep in mind what the track record has been. Here's another case in point, and I always love to trot this out every couple of months because. It, it's a, an excellent illustration of how somebody who was governor of New York actually laid the groundwork for George Santos. Here's what George Pataki said on July 1st, 2002, in Endicott, New York.
1: All 4,000 jobs are going to be
5: protected and remain here in Endicott for at least the next 10
1: years, and we're very, very pleased about that.
0: Remember, he said all 4,000 jobs were going to be protected for the next decade. And sadly, the reality is the the new company that came in and took over a portion of IBM's microelectronics business on November 1st, they let them eat cake, and two weeks later, 10% of the workforce, about 200 people, was laid off.
13: Yeah, that's a great example, Bob.
0: Yeah, and again, I'm. by the way, I'm not being, I'm not trying to be mean or harsh to anyone, not to George Pataki, not to the people no. who took over the, the IBM enterprise. In fairness to Pataki and to the late Senator Thomas Libis and, and everybody else who cobbled together that deal, I suspect if they hadn't done the deal with IBM, they would have just pulled the plug on everything and just left behind their toxic plume.
13: No, you're probably right, but I, I just thought a list like that, if someone, some historian went back... Well, it's it tempting, really it's
0: tempting the problem, but it. but Roger, the, the limitations here at the station, our computers only have such limited capacity. I'm not sure that we could come up with a database that would be able to handle all those projects and disappointments over the last half century.
13: No, he does have well,
0: a limitations. <laughs> Thank you, Roger. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Thank you, you too as well. 1117 at WNBF. I'm optimistic every time I hear an announcement, regardless of if, if the announcement comes from a governor, heck, even sometimes an announcement can come from the tippy top, the president or even better, the vice president. But if I hear an announcement from an elected official, about a business project or some kind of big initiative. doesn't have to be necessarily business project, but something that sounds really, really great and sort of maybe a breakthrough, something that we've been waiting for. So whether that happens with a president, vice president, governor, county executive, mayor, town supervisor, dog catcher, whatever, I just choose to be skeptical, not in a mean-spirited way, just in a way of, okay, show me, show me, trust but verify, this is the plan that you're putting forward. Now, show me when it happens, I'll report when it happens, there's nothing I like better, as a journalist, and the place where I was born, here in Binghamton, New York, there's nothing I really enjoy more than reporting on the culmination of a successful project. Because when they happen, that's cause for celebration. It's also sad for me, as a person who was born in Binghamton, to have to sometimes talk about things that we were promised and that never even came close. Sometimes and I I'm so tempted, I'm so tempted to point to two projects right now that in my humble opinion aren't going to ever see the light of day. I'm not going to. I'll I'm going to take a cautious approach. But sometimes Things are announced with such fanfare and enthusiasm, and you say, How is that going to happen? I hope it that happens. That'd be great if it happens, but there's no evidence to suggest that it ever will happen. So that's I, I look back as as you hear on the program, I look back frequently, say on, on the newspaper archives, which are online and just looking back at the headlines and even the breathless reporting so often not that it may happen basically it will happen it's going to happen things are wonderful now thanks to the governor and the senator and the mayor and then weeks go by months go by years go by and even decades go by in something they talked about never happened and they never offer an explanation. I guess that's probably what what makes people the most disappointed. It's not that a great project that was unveiled with such enthusiasm and fanfare didn't materialize. It's just that those who made the announcement don't have the courage to come forward and say, I know what I told you a year ago or two years ago, and that's what we were hoping would happen. But I've called the same reporters back here today to provide you with some disappointing news. But I think it's important because I want to be transparent. Remember, I'm telling you, all these people, Doc, a good game about transparency. Hey, where's the meat? Where is the transparency that they talk about so much? They don't. They won't. They should. And they could. You know, what What actually, if you're a mayor or a county executive or governor or a president, what exactly would be the consequences if you did an update and told people the facts? They're afraid to because they think that it would hurt them politically. I submit to you, the day we see a courageous leader at the local, state, or national level who will tell us the truth, tell it like it is, we can handle the truth, just do it. They're liable to become more popular because they did the unexpected thing. Let's take another call. Good morning, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from?
14: This is Tom from Vestal. Good
0: morning, good Tom. Morning. How are you?
14: Uh, I'm good. I just got a couple of things for your list of uncompleted projects. Uh, big one. Let's start with Route Seventeen.
0: Interstate eighty six. That was another. No, that was another not, Pataki debacle.
14: It's not. No, it started back in nineteen seventy two. It was never finished out through Elmira, and Corning. Until the 80s or 90s, when they took out the red light, and then Chuck Schumer wanted to do it to Interstate 86. Is still not 86. It wasn't Chuck penalty.
0: Schumer? It was Pat Moynihan. Goes back before Schumer became a senator. Schumer was pushing it, and how much? Well, sure, he pushed it. it. I'm play. saying the 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 initial. It was a, a staffer in Moynihan's office. She grew up in Vestal. She, she uh, I think, worked for Senator Moynihan, and Moynihan nicely point, supported point the concept. I mean, the, the point being is, yes, the, the, highway, yeah, the highway that we were promised half a century ago still hasn't materialized.
14: Yeah, and then there's another one. Uh, somebody named Hillary promised us, uh, I think, 200,000 jobs when she was running for president, one of the times she was running. And there's another guy out there called Obama. He says I don't need no stinking new helicopter. After they invested, I don't yeah. Thanks,
0: thanks to the Republican called Senator John McCain. It was Senator John McCain at Mr. Obama's first live televised news conference, where Senator McCain from Arizona brought up the presidential helicopter project that was going to employ 800 people in a Weego. And my feeling still is if Senator McCain hadn't brought that up during a live televised newscast, the program might have been salvaged.
14: Well, he's deceased. I can't speak ill of the
0: dead. I'm not speaking ill of the dead. He was alive when he chose to use that precious opportunity. He could have asked Barack Obama about anything. In the world, and he chose to ask about cost overruns in the presidential helicopter program. So ultimately, it got shot down, and that caused unspeakable damage to the southern tier's economy. So, no, I I love John McCain as an American hero. I don't like the fact that he put the presidential helicopter program in the spotlight as one of the examples of cost overruns in the federal government.
14: You know, bottom. The bottom line is big. Three big, big projects that were promised that have never been completed. And if we ever expect things to be completed, uh, we're the fools.
0: I agree. Okay. That, that's you and I are in, in in complete agreement. And that that was yeah, the point. Ready? That's that's why I I brought it up. Doesn't matter party designation. Democrats and Republicans—they all do it. The birds and the bees—they well, all do it, and they should stop it. Stop with the promises they can't fulfill.
14: If their lips are moving, you know what it means.
0: Oh, I know what it means. Trust me, I've been in the business for a while. It's eleven twenty-six. This is Bob Joseph. Hope your Friday is fun. News Radio WNBF. Now that. You- WNBF six zero seven 772 1290 Take some calls. Cliffy from Binghamton's First Ward. Good morning.
12: Morning, Bob. How are you doing?
0: Super. How are you?
12: Good. I was just calling uh the other day there. i seen your video on the Weather Channel. I don't know if you knew it was on there also. They well, put the video on... Uh, with the dogs? Sometimes the no, it wasn't the dogs. It was the video of the uh, bandstand there. Oh, at Rec shop. Park. Rec Park. It oh, th- the weather cha- oh I thanks. I don't know if you're aware of that, but Well, it was on the Weather Channel.
0: I'm not surprised. It, it showed up in a lot of different places, and nobody actually mentioned about the Weather Channel. Uh, I know I have a friend who was traveling for business and was in a hotel room in Seattle at 4.50 on Monday afternoon. And he spotted my dogs during their weather forecast. and
12: I heard you say that on the radio yeah. this morning. Yeah, and
0: I, I laughed. I mean, he knew because he follows me on Twitter, so he knew, he, he was aware that I had uh, sent out the, the video, and he wasn't even as... You might expect he just got in from a flight, so he wasn't really paying much attention. But I I really, he he was able to catch a quick snapshot while the dogs were still on the screen on Fox 13 in Seattle on Monday afternoon. And I love the caption on their their, uh, TV newscast of my two dogs looking, well... This is the caption sums it up. Dogs in upstate New York appear displeased with snow, and I thought, <laughs> I I couldn't even come up uh, the caption that I think I included on on the Twitter was that they were unimpressed. I didn't I didn't say I didn't go so far as they were displeased. I just said these two are unimpressed with the winter storm warning, and then the the people at the station in Seattle. Um, You know, they they actually went one better saying they don't don't seem pleased or were displeased. And I also got a a note, and you probably heard this too, from some guy who's a producer on a TV station in Tampa. And he sent me a note saying, hey, I'm planning to use the video of your dogs for our weather segment tomorrow morning. So tell me a little bit about them, their names and ages. So I thought that was pretty neat. And then the video showed up. Uh, on websites in Australia and England, both that and uh, the one from Rec Park, and just goes to show. That was
12: the one that was on the Weather Channel. Yeah. Rec Park. Oh, standstand. yeah. Wasn't that beautiful? It, it was, and actually, I think I had your show on, and you were talking about the your friend there in uh, the other side of the country, and I looked, and I go, there's Rec Park. So I rewound the Weather Channel, and I watched it over again. I go, hey, Bob's talking about his all the stuff on social media, I go, He's on the Weather Channel, too, I said
0: to myself. <laughs> yeah, well, who, who would expect that somebody, there was a producer for a news service, and I don't know how he happened to spot both of those videos early. I mean, oh. just a few minutes after they were posted, and both times he, he sent me uh, a note asking if it would be okay if they used them. And this just goes to show the the reach of that news service because right. a lot of TV stations and websites uh, around the world actually take bits and pieces of, of video. If you look at, a, say, a, the, the 630 News um, with the major networks, sometimes they, they take little... Two or three second clips. They're doing a weather story with scenes from around the country. They like to uh, put together a montage. So who knows if if the dogs or wreck park didn't didn't show up on one of the the big networks?
12: They'll end up like Masti Huba.
0: Oh my goodness, Masti Huba!
12: But anyways, the reason I called is I'm surprised I haven't heard this. The mental health place on Clinton Street, across from the Binghamton Boys Club, that's closed down. And uh,
0: I know. I know, at 114 Clinton Street. That's That used to be where Olam's was.
12: Exactly. The old Olam's was there, but they spent millions of dollars to build that, and it wasn't there. And First of all, I think they built it in the wrong spot because of the clientele that's in there and the boys, club, boys' and girls' clubs across the street. But those people would wander all over the neighborhood around here. So I heard that there was a lot of complaining, but I don't know the reason actually why they shut that down.
0: Yeah, I've been meaning to um, look into that. I, I noticed, and as is typically the case with uh, government, they never announce these things. The, the only things no. they announce are are things, say, if, if Kathy Hochul wants to unveil a new mental health initiative in Broome County, she'll show up at City Hall or maybe up at the... Um, Greater Binghamton Health Center, a former psychiatric center, and she'll talk big about a new program, but I I guarantee if I ask her what happened to that facility, that program that was in the first ward, and A, of course she won't know about it, but B, her people won't even want to cooperate. They'll be angry with me for asking a relevant story. Oh, yeah, and they don't like that. They put you on a list. I mean, I was... The, the interesting thing about me and Andrew Cuomo is I got on his list really fast, and we know how that turned out. And yeah. you'll recall Kathy Hochul actually was on the program last April to talk about all the bad snow we had, the heavy snow and the power outages and how the state was going to help. So that was nice, and I thought, oh, there's an indication that I'm not on her list. And then something happened, and suddenly I'm on they're her long. list. Yeah, they don't – you know what? They don't, they don't like – Questions that are off-topic.
12: No, nope, they don't like be putting on the spot.
0: Nope. and and they but lose. You know
12: what they that would make them accountable, and that right. Nobody likes to hear that word anymore. They well, and and they
0: never like it if you say that. You know, you work for the people. You work for WNBF's listeners. Every one of them helps in a small way to pay your salary. So whether you're governor, county executive. Mayor or town supervisor or whatever, many of our listeners are, are helping to pay your salary, and part of your job responsibility should be to come on this program on a regular basis to answer a few questions. But you uh, notice...
12: like our councilmen can't answer questions right now. Right. We're without a council person right now, really.
0: Right. Remember, uh, Giovanni Scaringi was on the program plenty of times. I understand he has... Military obligations. Right. So I, I, I thank I fu- him for his service. And I do too. I fully appreciate the work he's doing for our community and our country. But again, the thing that I always thought was great about Mr. Scringy was how often he was on the program. He was, right. of all the council members, I think he was the most accessible. And some of the others would occasionally uh, come in or call in. Now look, they never call in. And, and everybody's the one
12: you welcome. Doctor is not here now. Right. Serving our country.
0: Yep. So I don't know. You know. It's, right. as, as I say, you would think that public employees, whether they're at the top of their organization and government, or or even department heads, you know, department heads in Binghamton are not allowed to speak with reporters. There's a gag order. They could be in big trouble if they speak with me. Right now, what kind of a city operates that way? Binghamton. Yeah, and <laughs> and the people of Binghamton, the people of Binghamton, I think deserve better. I think the people of Binghamton wasn't always this way. Previous mayors used to allow their department heads and even some of their employees, uh, mid-level employees, to talk freely with reporters and give the information. Now. That's not allowed. That's a nope. That will be a firing offense. If they find out that one of their people spoke with me, I'm not saying they would get fired. I'm saying they could get fired.
12: Right, but they're not allowed to, per se. Just yes.
0: Like- Isn't that a shame? What And, yes, and to is. think that the mayor of Binghamton was on a career track to become a journalist. And his assistant, she is a former reporter here in Binghamton and elsewhere, and they think it's acceptable not to respond to our questions on this program. The only way to uh, communicate on any kind of uh, key issue is through email, and that's not—that's not, that's not no. good for follow-up. No, you know, it, it, and it, it slows not. down the process, but it's intentional.
12: But, but yeah, because that way, there, it shows that they cannot be
0: accountable. They don't want to be. No. They don't want to be accountable to city residents. They want to pretend that they're accountable, but exactly. but they, they are unwilling. And I'll, I'll always give Rich David and Matt Ryan credit because virtually any time that I wanted them to come on the program and talk about almost anything, they would come on. And they also came on on a regular basis to talk about just plain issues. And I
12: would see some of the people you just talked about at some of our local church bazaars. I could go up to them at any bazaar. You know, they'd be drinking a beer. I might even pour them their glass of beer when I worked there. And they would stay at the beer tent. And if you had questions to any of them, whether it was about politics or want to talk baseball, They were always open to walk up to, even in public to talk to.
0: They save accountability for their TV commercials. (laughs) Exactly. 30 seconds of accountability that's been carefully carefully edited by an out-of-town producer. Correct. Thank you for your call. Hey, Bob, thanks, and have a great weekend. Thank you. 1139, this is Bob Joseph. All I can do is ask a few questions and try to get a few answers for you. Our number is 607-772-1290 on WNBF. Did you know? three at WNBF with the real radio station really serving the community every darn day. Morning WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name and where are you calling from?
15: It's Beverly from the town of Dickerson. Hey, what's up? Oh I just called to ask did WNBF ever get an award for their for their good work?
0: Well, we have in the past some some people have chosen to recognize the contributions we've made to the Binghamton area.
15: Well, that's good because I was, you know, I I, I was just wondering. I remember when WKOP was over there. Up what was the up. They were either upstairs, or I think it was upstairs. Yeah, over upstairs over, like, over Dickinson, Weeks and
0: Dickinson. Dickinson on Shinnecock Yeah, yeah,
15: yeah. I remember that are they still on the radio?
0: No, no, they're not.
15: That's what I thought because i i was look at, I was looking for the channel, and I got and so somebody, somebody, someone else must have taken their place.
0: Well, you know that's the one thing you never know what's going to happen next.
15: Uh, did you ever find out about the WBBY channel?
0: Why station? I don't have anything official. I think I know what's going on there, but I, I, it's not official yet, so I'm not able to say anything. Oh,
15: because I just wanted to say, uh, it was basically just a talk show. I, I yeah, mean, I, I
0: think it's, it's a community that. station. It's a it's a community station that's run uh, by volunteers, I believe.
15: Oh, I see. So All right.
0: That's why they have they probably do more interviews and and things that are focused specifically for for uh, the Triple Cities.
15: Yeah, because because they're on they're on Saturday Saturday in the afternoon, I believe, and I sat here one day and I thought I wonder why there's no commercials.
0: Well, because it's a non-commercial station. We have commercials because we're a commercial station, so somebody has to pay for this. And I'm glad they do. Thank you, Beverly. It's 1145. Let's take another call. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from?
8: Good morning, Bob. It's Dave from Binghamton, and I'm happy to hear I actually don't have tinnitus with all the ringing in my ears.
0: Yes. What's on your mind?
8: Okay, so I was calling in regard to uh, the parking structures as well. Um, I guess that'll be a continuous, uh, as I said for the email, continuous continuum of concrete concerns. Um, but the one, one, one thing that I read, when I read the study again uh, last night, the parking study that Mayor David had uh, done in his first year in office was that they um, – they suggested the, the uh, you know, mixed-use buildings, and that is what I think they're, you know, they're still trying to do, um, and, and it just doesn't exactly work without a concrete plan. And that goes back, again, to uh, another um, study that was done for the area, but specifically for Binghamton University in 2013. And in that, um, well, in an article for that one in the Press and Sun, they actually, the, the person from Nelson Nygaard, which is the um, consultant that did both the Binghamton University and the downtown Binghamton study, said too many times things are done piecemeal, studies are done piecemeal, and it needs to be cohesive and done all together. And even with that knowledge, this area continually does everything piecemeal, and that needs to stop. You know, if there, there needs to be a comprehensive plan, Um, for each community that is put together with a comprehensive plan for the county and possibly the southern tier but mainly broome county needs to have a comprehensive plan that is then um, worked on with the local municipalities to see if they're you know to work their comprehensive plans together and have one vision for the area that shows okay this type of business we can start doing over here. Um, you know, even business parks up on Airport Road, that is a smart idea. How can it be done to, you know, less disrupt the area? Um, Why put one little thing here, one little thing there when we can plan this out? And then, you know, it can get as far down as the parking lots downtown, the parking garages that needs to be planned for what they see is currently being used and what their vision is for the future and where they need to be placed and how many spaces they need. And instead of lowering the number of spaces, you need to increase them to attract people from the outskirts to come to the events, come work, and come enjoy the uh, restaurants that they want downtown.
0: Sounds like a plan. I appreciate your suggestion. I'm sure the people on the fourth floor at City Hall are taking notes, as well as the people on the sixth floor across the way. At the county office building, so uh, I think it. I think what you did here is lay the groundwork. Hopefully. Yep. Thank you. Thanks. Enjoy the weekend. You too. Eleven forty nine. This is Bob Joseph at your Quiet Island News Radio. WNBF. Uncle Sam. Mimes. Yeah, you, know, you can never hear what they're saying, but if you pay attention you could probably figure it out. Here's a story that has received scant attention on WNBF, but oh why not? It's Friday, so allow me a moment of frivolity, even though in the grand scheme of things this is apropos of nothing. I'm just thinking about how the New York Post website and how this could also be covered by the New York Post or other tabloids on front pages this weekend. So at ABC, I'm not even going to use their names, ABC, owned by Walt Disney Company, a Mickey Mouse operation, um, they are getting rid of two of their most prominent presenters on the ABC News Network. According to TMZ.com, and again, I'll leave names out of it because it's not really anybody's business. Sources connected to the network tell us after a marathon mediation session, ABC and the two anchors have severed ties and both will see receive payouts per their contracts. We're told the mediation was extremely contentious with ABC reps accusing both anchors of various forms of misconduct, which one source characterized as a witch hunt. Oh, is the witch hunt Donald Trump? I mean, it's the source, Donald Trump, sorry. It's a long week. Again, this is TMZ.com speak. We're told one of the accusations is that an anchor had liquor in her dressing room, which the ABC folks said is a violation of policy. One source called the accusation ridiculous, noting some of the bottles were sent from top ABC news execs. By the way, now that I think about it, I think even now there's a bottle near my desk, unopened, and they could come in and say it's a violation of policy, but they gave it to me because of splendid performance exceeding all expectations. So if they want it's true. It's true. I, I should have brought it home. Now they're probably they're probably in there now taking a picture of a bottle can't remember if, I think it was champagne or something. It was actually, I was shocked. Didn't know we had money in the budget to commend employees for exceeding all expectations. But it happened, honestly. I have pictures. So um, that's one thing where they, they said she had liquor in her dressing room, which she claims was sent by ABC News execs. The source said those execs sent other on-air talent liquor as well, so this just looked like a way to justify getting rid of her. Hmm. We're told another accusation that was that she went to a college football game a year ago and came to work the next day drunk. One source called that insane, saying she was simply tired. As for the two anchors, again, this is TMZ.com speak, we're told it became clear in mediation they did not handle their affairs appropriately, waiting too long to disclose it to ABC execs. Oh, well, as the world turns. Hi, WNBF, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from?
16: Good morning, good morning. This is Joan from Bingo. Hi, Joan. Well, I got a little brain twister for you. Yesterday, was it last night? Not last night. The night before, I was watch, <clears throat> watching the BBC news cast on uh, WSKG on their uh, World Channel or whatever they call it, and I sort of came in in the middle of this. The gist of it is, uh, they were having a quandary and argue, arguing with lawyers, I guess. Uh, they have a fellow who uh, has transgendered to a woman and he's being sent to prison and he has I guess from what the gist I got a history of being a rapist and so they were arguing whether you know they should send them whether it was a good idea to put the women in the prison at risk or Uh, to violate, this was in Scotland, to violate uh, their, um, I guess, probably laws.
0: Right. Unfortunately, we're all out of time, so Uh uh, I'm sorry. I hope Uh, you have a good good weekend. weekend. Yeah. Thank you for calling. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I wanted to know more. Maybe Joan will call us on Monday and tell me the rest of the story. Bob Joseph, live on WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. Thank you for listening to News Radio WNBF. WNBF Binghamton.